All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, hello, friends, to another podcast episode of Hope I Did It Again with Rachel and Tanya. Hello, friends. We are excited to be here with you again. Be here with you. I can't talk tonight. Um, with you again um, on this journey of just talking about talk about everything under the sun, truly. <laughs> but tonight, A journey, um, reflection, exploration growth, all, all mm -hmm. of the above. This week's episode is going to be talking about a little thing that we like to call purity culture. Mm -hmm. And by little thing, we mean the current patriarchal sexist culture that we <laughs> currently live in. You <laughs> um, mean so the we, big thing. <laughs> yeah, like very big, very big has impacted all of us on at least some level, whether it's mm -hmm. through socialization of peers, socialization from our families, from our religious structures, the media we consume, like just, just a tiny little thing. And we mm -hmm. also thought when we were planning um, our first few episodes of the podcast, really hopefully you've seen kind of a theme a little bit of like, we're, we're kind of laying some groundwork on things that we know we're going to talk about in later episodes with friends and guests. Um, and that are going to be kind of reoccurring themes throughout our conversations around relationships and dating and sex. Um, as two just Midwestern gals and being Midwestern gals, we felt like we had to talk about purity culture because mm -hmm. so much of our overall American society has been influenced by Christian, specifically Catholicism and Protestant ideology mm -hmm. that we, we need to talk about the ways that um, those ideologies have influenced the ways we as cisgender heterosexual women um, experience our sexuality, have experienced the education around sex, our own bodies, all, all of the above, because we're, that's, who, that's our experience and we're gonna be talking mm -hmm. about it quite a bit. So yeah. Yeah, I guess let's, let's dig on in to, to purity culture. Yeah, so when I was thinking about what, how we wanted to start talking about it, I think some people might have, might not know what the term purity culture means. Like once we explain yeah. it, they might be like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. But I know I've had some conversations with classmates of mine. Um, I'm currently in a grad school pro graduate program um, and other conversations are like, what do you mean by purity culture? Mm -hmm. um, so I recently had to define it for a paper that I'm writing actually, because it's is a topic that is very interest that I hold near and dear to my heart and I'm really interested in. So when I was writing this paper, um, the definition that I kind of came up with, because I didn't, uh, to be honest with you, want to research the internet and try to find a good definition, was um, it's the ideas and the actions and the beliefs of our society that view sexuality, especially feminine sexuality, as sinful, e evil, and it has to be restrained slash contained, whatever word you might like better. Um, and those beliefs and actions are based around religious, again, specifically Christian ideology in our country, at least in the United States. Mm -hmm. And we are socialized practically from childhood to believe and enforce those ideas. Um, I mean, we could name a, a bunch of different examples. I can think of one right now. And then Rachel, if you have a one to share to just kind of help people mm -hmm. frame, like, what are we talking about? Like, what, what, do, what is... What are some of those actions or ideas? So mm -hmm. one that I typically like go right to is this patriarchal bullshit idea of the hymen being broken during sex, meaning you're no longer a virgin. Mm -hmm. 
So the hymen, we're going to do a little anatomy lesson mm -hmm. that I know at least. The hymen is this very, very, very thin strip of skin in a woman, in a person's um, vagina that um, can tear easily either through some kind of, through penetration, whether that is finger, um, penile, tampons, mm -hmm. uh, riding a bicycle, a horse, like there yeah. are so many ways that this very, very thin strip of skin can tear. Yep. Well, I don't know the history behind it, but I know enough to know that it was deemed a long, long time ago that when that broke, normally it was because it was the first time a person had um, sex and they were no longer considered a virgin. And typically those people were women at that time. That's the word that, you know, that's the gender binary for mm -hmm. you. And the minute that was broken, you were no longer pure. You were no longer, um, no longer a virgin for the rest of your life, whatever. And that idea has stemmed into many sexist and violent and terrible actions of like people checking young girls and women's mm -hmm. hymens to see if they are still intact, be pure for marriage. Um, also just like weird ass, just weird beliefs too of like, if, if someone, if a woman's hymen is broken before sex for no reason, other than again, riding a bike, like, and like why? the way, like, so if you have sex and your hymen is still intact, like if you're in the 1840s and you're proving to your husband that you're um mm -hmm. chaste and pure like the way to prove that is blood right on yep. your wedding night and yep. I feel like that gives way to a lot of like unrealistic and harmful not just unrealistic but like harmful things if you don't yes. bleed so like in those marriages if your hymen if you didn't bleed on your wedding night for various sundry reasons like does that indicate you weren't you weren't a real virgin a true virgin and mm -hmm. what did that mean for the man who had married you mm -hmm. um well I was just thinking like the hymen the hymen thing like virginity like true virginity I feel like gives like that's a direct tie to this idea of like the more partners you have like the dirty you dirtier you mm -hmm. are or just like being loose a loose woman um and then like something yeah. too that I was talking with somebody who um is who I'm really close with about this recently too and how this is a prime example of how we have controlled feminine sexuality for generations and that why like this is a reason why like we have physical proof a woman is no longer a virgin and has has had sex there is mm -hmm. not an equivalent for men for people with yeah. penises there is not um yeah if not that i can think of at least and that right there shows the difference in how our patriarchal society has set up any way possible to control feminine sexuality by like having physical proof that a woman has had sex and that way that they can they can control her they can degrade her put all these names on her make her less of a less of a human being on some level because she had sex mm -hmm. um but outside marriage even in marriage but we can get to that yeah. later so that's that's one example of how purity culture patri or patriarchal culture has really tried to influence and control yeah. feminine sexuality. Rachel, what examples did you have? Yeah, so I so it, two things come to mind. One is kind of this overarching this overarching idea that like if you have 
lustful thoughts if you are finding yourself physically attracted to someone and is making you feel things that that is bad and impure and you need to do whatever you can to put a stop to it particularly if you're a woman but I will say that I think like young young men young male presenting folks receive a similar like I mean uh-huh. no even as I like they definitely receive the message but they are certainly in in many spaces cut in like a lot cut a lot more slack for acting on that but the other thing I thought of kind of a historical thing talking about like this long-reaching arm of purity culture I'm just reminded of all the women um towards like the the mid to the end of the Victorian era who were called hysteric and uh-huh. were given treatments for hysteria that was literally masturbation and producing yep. an orgasm and then it they were stressed out and they had an orgasm and they were they found temporary relief from this hysteria and hysteria and hysterectomy are cognate like that's that is it's called hysteria because the people who had those had uteruses um all of that is connected and just this idea that for a long time like women would women would faint they were taken less serious they were being driven out of their minds out of this repression and the like the punishment or the the negativity that would ensue if they ever actually acted on any of these feelings turned it around and buried it so deep that yeah they had like that's how the vibrator was invented was to to jack these women off so that they would calm down because of everything they were absorbing and internalizing and they couldn't actually most likely get off with the partner that they yeah. were having so yeah because like the, like no and certainly when they had this treatment there wasn't any I well I guess I don't want to speak I don't, certainly don't know the history of like the orgasm and naming the orgasm right. and people understanding that you could have an orgasm with a partner certainly I feel like that was known but not talked about it's yeah I, mean, I don't know yeah I like I would hope that like between women there's always been discussion I would also think that this plays out a bit differently along class lines right like mm-hmm. if you're if you're a poor woman you're probably not able to afford treatment but also you've probably been exposed to like physical and sexual realities of things a mm-hmm. lot more than upper class women yeah interesting a little conundrum but anyways that is a uh, classic purity culture old-timey yeah. purity culture for you yeah I mean again still has ramifications today oh, yeah. though right like 100 mm-hmm. percent. even the use of a vibrator like how many like I don't know the stats that is something that I should have maybe looked up before this podcast but the stats of how many women um especially older women have never experienced an orgasm is yeah. atrocious. Like it's just, it, it's mind boggling to me how many women before us have never, never got to experience a goddamn mm-hmm. orgasm because mm-hmm. of purity culture and patriarchal beliefs. Yeah. When yeah. we know we are starting to really know the science and the benefits behind orgasms for mental health, for physical health. For Turns out they're great healthy. across the board. <laughs> there's like nothing they don't want (laughs) they're not good for just um possibly impregnating somebody wow what are the chances yeah um so I think you did bring up a good point though that you know we're we're going to be talking mostly about how this has impacted us as cisgender heterosexual women um and I do but a purity culture does impact men and boys Mm -hmm in a different way and they get a lot of slack and there are definitely different standards but mm-hmm. I do think like there's a level of the like Kellogg's 
toast uh, Kellogg cereal was created <laughs> as a stem stem from getting boys to stop yeah. masturbating, right? Yeah. Like there is a level of like throughout You've history. You've got to really there's... fucking love Frosted Flakes to be like this. This is put a stop to it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't know the whole history, there's a great drunk history episode about the Kellogg family who is based here in yeah. Michigan. Um, some Michigander history for you and that's how mm-hmm. two brothers started the cereal company and it was a basically because one of them wanted to try to stop men and boys yeah. from masturbating so imagine that being your life's work like <laughs> I can't and they also like had a huge falling out like it, again great drunk history episode right. if you ever want to watch so. it so it's, yeah. it's a great one it's all about Michigan history actually um, but yeah I can't imagine like stopping them from having great so there has been like some obviously even now in some very religious households like no matter your gender you are not Mm -hmm. allowed to think about sex you are not allowed to masturbate you are not allowed like there is truth to that Mm -hmm. um but obviously there are different standards for the genders once you get out of the more religious sector into the broad Mm -hmm. society of um of how we talk about sex how we talk about uh the our gendered bodies how we talk about sexuality all of that um which comes comes into play especially because of purity culture and our patriarchal beliefs one prime example that comes to my head anytime i think about this is the way that we talk about masturbation on the gender line so i will say like i want to respect our people who fall out of the gender binary so i'll do our my best to say like if you grew up a boy if you grew up a girl those kinds of things um but I think like just not to make things easier because I understand that it's not but like try to we're gonna that's how we're gonna talk about this tonight yeah boys again I wouldn't say they're encouraged to masturbate when they're growing up but it's like laughed about right yeah like we've all heard like 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 crusty socks like right edges on everything (laughs) edges on everything it makes me think of bridesmaids when she's like (laughs) she's on everything yeah but yeah or like yeah. extra long showers yes the tw- like lots of clean exit like all of the mm-hmm. jokes about boy mm-hmm. masturbation them watching porn all of that stuff yeah and I even then like I don't I can't remember like ever really learning about that even from a boy like I remember hearing those jokes but I don't even like there's a level of like I don't even know how much mm-hmm. I really understood but when it comes to like female masturbation when like mm-hmm. I the first time I had a conversation an honest conversation with my friends who identify as women about masturbation where I didn't lie because where I didn't lie about the fact that I was doing it wasn't until I was like 23 22. yeah I I was in college it was freshman year of college so I was like 18 or 19 but it was it was fully in Actually, it might not even have been freshman year. It might have been sophomore. It was early college, whatever. Yeah. 18, like, and yeah. And that, yeah. And like never, I don't, honestly, I don't even know that I've ever talked about it with my mom for like how open and liberal mm-hmm. she is. Like, I don't, I mean, like certainly we've talked about it generally, but I don't remember ever like as a kid going to her to be like, so <laughs> what is this that I'm doing constantly? What yep. am I up to here? Um, yep. And I mean, I'm sure she had, I feel like every parent has, like I'm sure that I was up to some things or like doing something where she was like I feel like this yeah. is uh happening for um I was gonna say impure but as in a joking way but I won't do that this time because we're literally talking about people right. who do think it's impure 
here but yeah for um suspicious reasons yeah um, yeah and I grew up in a household where that was 1000% not talked about at mm-hmm. all so when I started doing it I had no idea really what I was doing yeah um other than I felt bad about it and it mm-hmm. and even in college when I started learning about masturbation more so and have like some of my friends were wanting to talk about it I still felt so shameful mm-hmm. for what I was doing that I couldn't be honest with my friends about it yeah I was like yeah no I've never done that I don't I don't know <laughs> no and there's no shame in that I know I actually yeah. know some women who did have like never didn't yeah. masturbate to, for the first time until their 20s and for whatever reasons there's yeah. no shame whenever you first masturbated it's fine remember mm-hmm. we're sex positive on this podcast yeah <laughs> I was gonna say if you don't masturbate because you're asexual also fine yes. <laughs> whatever yep. you're up to yeah we're yep. not up to yep yeah. um but the yeah the first time I was ever really honest I remember feeling like oh my god finally like mm-hmm. I can talk about this and not try not yeah. to feel shame for it because again we joke all the damn time about boys and men masturbating, but yet it is so taboo. Yeah. Like there's still a level of like, I mean, I'm not saying that we all need to start talking about our masturbation stories really like that. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but to like, finally, I think there's a level of like, once you reach that point in your friendship with women, especially you can really start talking just about like female pleasure. Because yeah. for me, I'm like, the minute you start talking about masturbating, you're able to finally be honest about like what you like. And like, and again, yeah. not saying that you need to talk about that with your friends, but like once you're able to be honest, that like pleasure is important to me and I do this, mm-hmm. like it yeah. leads into better, deeper conversations about, about pleasure. Because at the end of the day, I think our purity culture really, again, it controls and doesn't want women to to experience pleasure, to experience mm-hmm. good sex. And so they do all of these things to tell us that we shouldn't talk about it. So we don't talk about what makes us feel good mm-hmm. and swap stories and share advice and all of that stuff. I mean, I feel like, I really feel like anytime we have conversations about, about sex, about masturbation, about any of it, it is like, every time it happens is like a micro unpacking of this generational trauma of purity culture. Cause when you talk about that as an unmarried woman or as a married woman, or again, a person with a vagina having sex who isn't trying to get pregnant, or, I mean, even if you are trying to get pregnant, mm-hmm. like you should be having fun with it. But every time, every time you do that is like just a reminder to everyone that like, we have the ability to do this now. Like we can talk about this. We can have fun with this in the way that men and boys have always been encouraged to, well, yeah. again, don't want to do sweeping generalizations, but more so than women and girls have been encouraged yeah. to explore this, have been told like, this is your nature, this is fine. And I do think, yeah, as a kid, I think I could certainly see that like, boys were definitely allowed to do, to feel this way too. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was big and big, a bigger and finer thing, um, more understandable for them. But you, there are not a lot of, when we were growing up, I feel not a lot of like on television representations of girls exploring sexuality uh-huh. like at all. I do think that's getting better now. Um, but yeah, like it would have been helpful to have, um, to have even girls as terrible. I don't what's like masturbation they certainly had sex I guess the sex life of college girls would probably that would have been a helpful thing to like see in middle school or high school to be like oh yeah <laughs> look it's happening yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, but again, like going even off of masturbation, just talking about sex in general, right? Like mm-hmm. that first time, like there's a level of, I do think it's becoming easier to joke about sex with your female friends, right? Like at yeah. some level, I think always I think so. women have bonded talking about sex, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it was very, if, even if it wasn't as blunt as some yeah. um, of the language we use nowadays, right? Yes. Um, but I do think like you mentioned generational trauma and I think that's a really good thing to bring up with this because um, some of the research that I've been doing lately about um, sexuality, sex education shows that one research study I, I read about back in 2018 or 28, 2008, oh my God. Um, the researchers put together a group of people that ranged from the age of nine up to like over 50 years old and they broke it down by decades. And the older generations listed other as their primary source of sex education. And the younger generations either listed their siblings or their teachers. No Mm. generations listed their parents. Wow. Nobody. And the researchers said at the end of the article, like, if parenting is about setting your kids up for success and caring about their well-being, why are parents not one of the primary sources for sex education for their children? Mm Mm-hmm. And because of generational trauma, right? Like we, like there's only so much that moms probably feel comfortable telling their daughters because again, talking Mm -hmm. about like the whole mantra of like talking about sex is going to make these kids do it. And it's like, well, they're already Mm -hmm. fucking doing it. You're not giving, preparing them for the realities of what sex is. Um, And dads were telling their sons all about it, but the the lack Mm -hmm. of miscommunication, like the lack of also misinformation, like I'm sure fathers were not telling their sons the correct information just about yeah bullshit patriarchal ideals about mm-hmm. what sex is um and like how can we shift that like how can we sh- like I do think that there needs to be a shift in just public education regard public sexual education but also with parental sexual education like how can we bridge yeah. how can we change that I think it I think this idea of like the talk like you hear mm-hmm you get the talk is such a misnomer because like true healthy sex education yep. would be you would obviously be talking to kids about what's applicable to them like ages and stages kind of stuff yep. like yep. the early stuff that you're doing with your kids is just identifying body parts talking about what what this does like what they have how yep. like what how, who it should be shown to who it should not be shown to like it's yep. privacy level and then as kids are starting to like become socialized yeah I just yeah it's an it's an ages and stages conversation not something that like I feel like it's like a Santa Claus situation where you suddenly find out that Santa Claus spoiler is not real (laughs) and Uh like you would suddenly find out that like sex is a real thing that like you and you need someone to explain it to you like that that doesn't make any sense that's not how we teach anything you don't suddenly turn 10 and you're taught how to communicate in whatever language you're learning like you get some words and then you get more words and more words and more words. And it just, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's plenty of curriculum out there to talk to parents about like talking to your Mm -hmm. kids about sex without just setting them up for this massive talk at some point in their life, hopefully. Also want to plug, um, the American girl doll company has care and keeping of you. That's a good one. That's all the education you need. <laughs> that's, the, that's the beginning and end of sex education. Perfect. Everyone. Knows it. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, 
I like many things, we just put so much pressure on this one item, the talk. It has become such a phenomenon. Yeah. But you shouldn't, you should not let your kids get to the point where they need the talk. They should have an idea of what's coming to them. Yep. Maybe literally, huh? A pun, a coming pun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And that's what when I talk about sex education, um, that's what it is. Sex education needs to be lifelong. It needs to start mm-hmm. at an early age. It needs to be appropriate for the age. I think so many people, because yeah. they're so like, we have such a warped idea of sex anyway, as we're discussing, um, mm-hmm. and have this warped idea that we're going to be teaching three-year-olds how to put condoms on them. It's like, no, yeah. are you fucking kidding me. Like, that's not, yeah. are you teaching a three-year-old how to put deodorant on? No, because their body yeah. isn't doing that yet. <laughs> like, make sense. it's right developmentally appropriate yeah education just like with any other education you're mm-hmm. giving your kids you're not gonna make your child who's wa- barely walking start running a mile like no it's got to be you've got to yeah. be layered on top of one another it's got to be part of everything too like sex education is not just how to put a condom on and how to stop pregnancy it is about consent as you mentioned it is about mm-hmm. healthy communication it is about boundaries it's about figuring out pleasure p- figuring out what you like what you mm-hmm. want it's also about figuring out who you're attracted to, why you're attracted mm-hmm. to, what you're attracted to. Like, it's all of those things. It's not just yeah. preventing birth. It's not just preventing STIs and um, pregnancy from happening. Like, yeah. it's so much more than that. And like, again, all the research that I'm doing, I think we are at a turning point um, in the research that's happening. I mean, I say that and then all the shit that's still happening in regards to abortion and mm-hmm. um, everything around this in this country. But I do hope that we're kind of at a turning point in the regards to the research that is being done and trying to find a way to have a better conversation about this in our society um, of that, like sex education is important and necessary to really truly deal with some of the issues that we're facing as adults. Like I, I firmly believe the, one of the reasons why we have such a huge domestic violence problem in this country why the sexual assault numbers are so high mm-hmm. is related to our lack of comprehensive sex education yeah. and talk and just overall the pure I feel like the most like yeah. the most betraying the most like condemning fact of that like con- confirming factor in that is that like sex 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 assault occurs between people who are typically in in relationship with one another yeah. like if they're not boyfriend and well I don't sorry to a lot of gendered terms in this episode, folks, sorry. Um, people who are in either romantic or just platonic, mm-hmm. they know each other, like that is where sex assault occurs. And it's so difficult to prosecute this because we have shitty laws around consent and we have shitty ways of yep. defining consent. And more than that, we're terrible at teaching people what consent means, both yeah. people who are giving consent and people who are hearing and then acting mm-hmm. on consent or not acting when consent's not given. Like. And I also, all of this is really just, if you take anything away from this episode, I think it would be that like knowledge as with many things is absolutely the enemy of purity culture. Like purity uh-huh. culture wants to keep you in the dark. It wants you to uh-huh. be afraid of what you're thinking and feeling. Yep. It does not want you to know what what is going to happen in any of the intimate relationships that you're in. You'll be given the information that you need by the people who have power in, in purity culture. And the more you learn, the harder it is for, for the control elements of purity culture to, to keep a hold of you. And yep. yeah, the education's like key part in that. 
if kids get out of childhood kind of understanding what's what's going to happen as they get older like it's harder to make them feel shitty when those same things start to happen like mm-hmm. yeah and to cap that sex is supposed to be fun sex yeah if you are somebody who wants to have yeah, sex have it. sex should be fun sex is mm-hmm. not just for procreation sex is not meant to be between just two people who love each other like I think that's that's something too to to talk about that is that the, one of the main not one of the main one of the main ways that purity culture is forced down our throats at least in many religious households I would say mm-hmm. is this idea that you need to wait to have sex until you're married yeah preferably in a heterosexual marriage <laughs> I would say pretty much exclusive if yeah. that's <laughs> If that's the flavor of your household, I'm positive that you marrying the same sex or a a non-binary person is probably not smiled upon. And so I get like, and I would say that, again, this, this belief that you have to wait till you're married um, is primarily put on girls and women's shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, Like you, especially men, boys and men, if you're raised boy or a man, like they, are told that but obviously at the same time like there's this double standard of like you should wait till marriage but like at the same time winking over and being like but you got to be experienced for your wife yeah, you should sow your wild oats yeah people say that to men they do not say that yeah. to yeah. girls largely you again the whole hymen thing like you need to be pure for your husband all of this bullshit very yeah. innocent um and I think like that like I grew up in a household with that knowledge like that's Mm -hmm. that's how I was raised and that's how I thought up until my very early 20s um the only real boyfriend I've had that I can name like he I did not have sex with him because I was still in that mindset of like no we have to wait till we're married Mm -hmm. but again the only like this is something to bring up I think that is important we did everything except vaginal sex basically um yeah we okay mm-hmm. did you ever get on the side of tiktok of so i want to put i did not i was not raised mormon i am not trying to um <laughs> to make fun of the mormon church i'm not trying to like when we like look we have to critically look at religion in mm-hmm. this episode okay and all episodes. but anyway what i'm trying to say is that side of tiktok that um people were sharing either like they were, they were Mormon or they knew people who are Mormon or they were therapists who helped Mormon couples learn about sex and how they thought that they thought that they could impregnate a woman through her belly button because they didn't understand, like they'd never, you, you've never, you never got into that. No, side of I, so this is a real testament to the Mormon side. It's really like ex-Mormon side of TikTok yeah, that yeah, I thought you were going to go to a completely different batshit insane ex-Mormon experience, <laughs> but no, I did not. I did not. I don't think saw this belly button pregnancy yeah. situation. Yeah. There, you know, sex, sex education was so lacking. They thought that you would get pregnant through belly button injection, belly button. It's what well, I don't even know. I don't even know. Just like i don't like what's it's like you're not so obviously you don't get pregnant through your belly button but the belly button is like vitally important to connecting yeah fetus and and mother yes. together um or person person who's pregnant together so it's like you're it if you were like three years old maybe i could understand 
you thinking there was like a bigger significance here, but yeah. yeah, And I would certainly hope in adulthood or like later, like much later childhood, like teenager years, you would have had enough instruction to understand at least the base physicality and optics of things. I thought you were going to bring up, did you end up on Mormon, ex-Mormon TikTok where they were talking about soaking? which is where the penis is inserted into the vagina but there's no movement and this is like a way to get around that like if it and this was tied what I saw on TikTok was tied explicitly to Mormonism that like to get around Mormon sanction against like lust and physical activity physical sexual activity the insertion wasn't the problem it was the it was the thrusting that was like the going going the step beyond so you could do that and this is where it gets it's like is this just tiktok getting too ridiculous with it but also is it just crazy enough to be true that a couple who are soaking someone would be on the bed with them jumping up and down to to mimic action so that there is a bit of friction that can't be which just feels as with everything on the internet there was enough in the comments to be like this is legit and there was enough to be like this is too much <laughs> much too much but I do think that like not you put it to I you. really I mean I guess if you're an ex-Mormon let us know and let us know how yeah, true that is. I don't I don't want that to be true for you but but I, I think that's enough true for me. I but I think that's a good point of like we talk so like part of purity culture too is just like vaginal sex is the only kind of sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is not even ba- like all like on some level, all sex is bad, but like that's really the only sex we're taught mm-hmm. about and that you shouldn't do. So again, yeah. like doing like there's a level of I know that there are some people that like refuse to do even oral sex, anal sex, even making out, mm-hmm. whatever, all of the different things. Yeah. Um Duggars looking at you. Yeah. Well, the um, girls. Yeah. Um like there, but I, I think like what's so, I mean, it all links back to the, the, the social construct of like virginity. Right. And it's again, just mm-hmm. a way to control a woman's sexuality of like, you can't do vaginal sex because your hymen will be broken and you will mm-hmm. no longer be pure. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it is. Like that, that's, that's mm-hmm. where that belief comes from. Anything else is like on some level, fair game to like release those urges. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the same time, it's, it's fair game, but like, we're not taught to properly deal with it. Like I, when I first had sex, like I definitely still felt a lot of shame and guilt. And like, I've had to deal with a lot of that of like trying to figure out my own sexuality coming to terms with like, I did not want to, I clearly did not wait till marriage, but I am not married and I have had sex. But when I started having sex in my early twenties, um, coming to terms with okay, I'm not religious anymore. I don't believe this, but what, what do I believe? Like, what is my sexuality? Mm. Like, do I enjoy having one night stands? Do I want sex with a partner? Most like figuring all of that out. Like that's part of the conversation of like, like one of our bullet points, we've kind of circled around it. This idea that you should be having sex with someone that you are in love with, I think is so is toxic. This, yeah. One, I know that like there are varieties of sexuality where you do need like a strong romantic connection yep. to someone to to have sex, to have fun having sex. So if that's your bag, fine. But 
if for a lot of other sexualities that is not a, mm-hmm. a close tenant you can like a purely physical is fine or wh- however it plays out mm-hmm. and I just think for folks who don't need a strong romantic connection to have fun with it to have been taught forever that you should be shit face in love with someone before you have sex with them is a ton to unpack if you have sex mm-hmm. with someone that you just think is hot or yep. yeah that yeah, it's just a lot to be like, so what does this mean about me? I'm not in love mm-hmm. with this person. And, and yet I, I did this and I had fun mm-hmm. doing this. Am I a bad person? Am I, yeah. like, am I dirty? Is there something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing, I think, no. I think finding that balance, at least for myself, like I'll, I'm going to speak for my own journey of like, it's been, it's been mm-hmm. a journey. Um, coming out of that mindset of like, I'm waiting till marriage. I entered a sexual relationship with a man who it was not healthy. Like mm-hmm. it was, I, it was not a healthy relationship. Um, I have had to unlearn and unpack a lot of things from that relationship that I had in my early twenties and the relationships and the sexual experiences I had in my early twenties, um, to be where I am now as a 30 year old. Um, and it's, it's, it's like, been a lot of like pendulum swinging of like how mm-hmm. how can I be really sex positive and I, I am a, I'm a very sex positive mm-hmm. person but also recognize like what are my limits yeah. what's my what are my boundaries like I'm not somebody that at this point in my life likes a lot I don't want to do any more one night stands that's not what yeah. I even then like my 20s when I did it like looking back I was like I didn't really enjoy those like that much like i but that doesn't mean that I need to shame anybody who maybe prefers one night stands or mm-hmm. prefers like, like more casual sex. And I think that kind of goes back to, I mean, my mantra in my life is like good for her, not for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's breaking free of what we were taught about our sexuality and our bodies and what we should enjoy and still allowing people the space and grace to find out, figure out for themselves what that means. Like we're all not going to approach sexuality, um, in the same way and just trying to figure that out for ourselves. Um, it's hard. Like it's not, it's not a fun or easy journey by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. It. I definitely catch myself in moments of internalized patriarchy or internalized purity culture where like I'll hear about something that typically a woman has done and I think like oh not a good look and then most of the time I do feel like my concern is more safety related like Mm -hmm. when I hear about women going out alone particularly women under 25 I just have a strong feeling of like Mm -hmm. get out girl (laughs) you need to leave immediately and I do I feel like it comes more from a, a place of like oh God, (laughs) like you are open to so much trouble to just Mm -hmm. be alone, be a target for this. But I do, at times I do feel like there's an element of just thinking like, oh, you're making a fool of yourself. And I think some of that is purity culture related of like, don't like, you can learn these lessons other ways. Like you don't need Mm -hmm. to go out. You don't need to be like talking to, again, mostly men or boys like this. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. I yeah, like I still sometimes like catch it and like, oh, that's not, she can do what she wants. Yeah, maybe I think that's should, a really good, maybe she should take a friend, but she can do what I she think wants. that's a really good, um, a really good point to bring up where I think like, again, if we were more willing and able to have these conversations and like throughout life, 
women wouldn't have to ex- put themselves into dangerous situations yeah. or situations where like, I look back and I'm like, oh, I regret being in that situation. Like the way I handled things, um, the way that mm-hmm. that sex went down, like I don't, I'm not proud of those moments because yeah. I was on a learning curve. And like, if I had learned earlier in life, if I had felt more comfortable having honest conversations with myself and those partners that I, mm-hmm. I engage in sex with, I'm like, how different would it, would it had all been? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. And I think there, I think that's what's so hard is that um, I watched young girls, women, femmes do things. And I'm like, oh, I don't want you to have to do that because I wish mm-hmm. that you had been taught earlier yeah. about your sexuality in a way that you don't feel like you have to put yourselves in dangerous situations. If you want to have sex mm-hmm. with as many people as you want, I don't fucking care. Yeah. What I do care you about think? is your safety both Mm -hmm. your health safety, your physical safety, your mental safety, Mm -hmm. all of those things. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I, there's a level two of, I mean, just how much, how much like also like brain development goes into it. Right. Like I, I, as a, some, as the oldest of five children, I have a sister Mm -hmm. who is seven years younger than me and seeing her do some of the things, uh, in her early twenties that I did, or like could see where she was coming from I'm like oh my mm-hmm. god I would never I never <laughs> want to be in my early 20s again I know. in my entire oh, life what a time what a stupid time <laughs> what a stupid time what a stupid stupid time yeah so there is a level two of like I think you're in your early you're in your late teens early 20s you think the world can't touch you um mm. so there is a level of if you're going to do stupid re- reckless things even if you are maybe a little bit more grounded but you know I know that we fully moved past this topic but I'm just another example of like purity culture I think an easy litmus test for you to do I feel like we say litmus test a lot but is like think of the scariest like most horrific sort of sex related story you've heard it is the is the victim of that story a man like in any a personal story that you've heard a story that you that you've read mm-hmm. um with like for me that's a no I'm thinking in particular of one a story that happened while I was in college of a girl who'd gone to a, a fraternity party had gotten separated from her friends and ended up with a group of of the fraternity guys and just I don't it was unclear she was drunk um and it was unclear she'd actually had sex with them it's very clear that some sort of assault had taken place and there's just a story of like her ending up out of her clothes, them holding the clothes hostage, just like a really shitty story. And I feel like that's the one that has probably stick in my mind forever. But I know that there were other other stories of like similar mm-hmm. ilk happening at other colleges. And it just, I think that's an easy way to think about purity culture and the way that it is continuing to victimize most heavily women and girls and femmes, people presenting this way. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so sorry for that. <laughs> I thought that it was getting too chipper around here, and I wanted it yeah. to plunge right back down, yeah, into the black abyss of how the patriarchy is still getting us down. Yeah, I mean, again, like every woman you know has a story that, yeah, like I, I have no problem. Um, every we all have a story that is not great, mm-hmm. and whether that is an assault, whether that's just been in a shitty situation that we've been in. Feeling um, unsafe. Feeling, yeah, we all, every woman, you know, every femme person, like we all have a story that we can think of off the top of our head. 
Um, and I recognize that some boys and men have experienced yeah, sexual have assault. There is, yeah. I'm not trying to deny that. That is, we know that that's happened. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, like you said, it still impacts women and femmes mm-hmm. of the vast majority. And that's why we felt like we had to talk about it tonight because. And I will say like trans women pretty explicitly, yes. like yes. A, a sharp worsening for them. Yes when you, the more intersecting identities you have, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the worse, the worse it is. So I think like you brought up a little bit ago about the um, monogamous relationships, loving somebody, and that's the only way that you can have mm-hmm. sex. Um, and I think that's another thing to, to expand on just a little bit as we maybe start to wrap up here. But like, I, I didn't feel this way when I first lost my virginity and started having sex with people um, I mean, I did, but not in the moment, but I've heard and read stories online that have made me like real feel really, really fucking sad. And that is like women sharing how even after they've had sex with the, the man, um, they married, they can't even enjoy sex with their married partner, mar- married husband, because to them, sex still feels so shameful and, oh. and sinful I, I just, yeah. it, it, it breaks my heart. Like to hear something. A, yeah, it sucks. And I know that that's not the case for everybody, but I will say, even in my own experience, like I didn't necessarily feel super shameful in the moment doing it. Like I enjoyed it mm-hmm. to whatever extent, but like, again, on my own journey, I've like had to deal with like, I'm not a bad, per- I'm not a bad mm-hmm. woman. I'm not an impure woman because I like having sex. Yeah. I can't imagine having to grapple with those feelings and being married to somebody who you love and trust and want to have yeah. sex with yeah. or feel so. Yeah. Uh, that's what's... It's hard to like, to think about how far you've advanced, advanced on the journey of like being in a relationship of like yeah. connecting with someone of coming to love someone yeah. and to struggle on what can, if, if like you are heterosexual, well, not like if you're someone who enjoys sex or like has sexual feelings, like that is a huge part of your relationship. And to think that you could get, things could be going so well on like finding someone being in love with them. They are also in love with you. And like this block on being physical with them, what could be like, I mean, and is a true sort of expression of that love just. Yeah. Because I think that's another thing too. Like I, even growing up, like there was a level, I wasn't taught that sex was only for procreation. Like I do, mm-hmm. I was taught sex was a way to show your love for another, like your partner, right? right? Like I do, I recognize that. And I, and I do see that for 100% in a healthy relationship. I believe that if you are two sexual beings that you, you, you know, um, that it's important. Like sex should be an important part of your relationship if Mm -hmm. both of you deem so right yeah I just like yeah it just breaks my heart that like we we've conditioned especially mostly women to this point of like they can't even enjoy it with the people that they've been told that they have like that they could actually enjoy it with yeah like the one the one person you're allowed to have a good time with you've internal you've so successfully internalized the rest of the messages that you can't do that and it, it, I think it kind of, like this, for me, this kind of goes along to with the idea, I think we brought it up a couple episodes ago about toxic monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we haven't, like, 
it's a newer term that I've kind of seen online a little bit um, about the idea that monogamous relationships, like some of the ideals of monogamous relationships are like pretty fucking toxic. And I think that kind of goes along with the idea of like being with only one person your entire life. Like if that's who you are, like I know people who have only ever been with one person or very few people, like there's no shame in that. Like, again, it's all Mm -hmm. about what you want and what you believe, like feels good to you. But this idea that you should only ever be with one person, um, that you should only ever experience pleasure from one person, like I think there's there has to be a link to that for some of those women who have experienced that. Like, mm-hmm. no, you don't like. There's not just one person out there for you that yeah. you should have experienced pleasure with. Like, unfortunately, I do believe in the idea that like you like gaining experience, learning what you like, learning what feels yeah. good to you, whether it's by yourself or with a partner, mm-hmm. is important. Super and important. like, also, if you don't learn how to communicate with those partners, like especially with your one partner that you are like stuck with for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. of what, like, hey, no, actually, you need to move over. You need to try this. You need mm-hmm. to like, then you're never going to experience pleasure. You're never going to have fun with it. But if you're never taught that, if you're not taught to, like, yeah. if you're just expected my partner will know what to do. Yeah. I don't need to talk to like, no, no, especially no, no. if also the idea is that your partner is going to come in knowing what you want, like mm-hmm. knowing exclusively about the act and like whatever they can do for you is all that you should expect. Like they're, they will be the beginning and the end for you. Like yeah. everything you're going to find out about it, they'll be able to teach you. Like that is a very dangerous spot to be in. And it, I just think like so much of, again, to get back to the control thing, like what is purity culture love more than control? Nothing. This idea that mm-hmm. like, if you don't know what you're looking for, if you don't know what to expect, like you'll just be told what, what yeah. it is what you're getting. And if it's, if that's happening in like the sexual arena, it is probably happening elsewhere in the relationship yeah. too. Yeah. Like, it's never just somehow only it's all, we only have a shitty sex life, but everything else is perfect. I mean, I guess there are a lot of advice columns where that does appear to be the case, but I would say like, you're probably seeing these, these issues come up elsewhere. Well, actually, and I feel like this is a good point. Again, I'm not centering the experience of boys and men, but from what I've read recently, again, for this paper that I'm writing, I, this is a prime example of how it impacts all of the agendas, but especially on the gender binary men and, men and boys. So in our patriarchal society, you know, women are taught that men will know how to make you feel good, like, or if they Mm -hmm. don't, like, it's all about their pleasure anyway, right? Like, all of this bullshit. But that also harms men. Like, Mm -hmm. in one study that I read, uh, teenage boys, they they gave out surveys to a group of teenagers in a school, um, and they hypothesized that boys would have a higher self-efficacy and self-confidence when it came to their sexuality. And that was not the case. Hmm. Teenage boys, at this at least in this study that was done, was this also in 2008 or just maybe a little bit sooner? They did not. They wow. they had lower than their female counterparts. Again, on the gender binary, but yeah. like, and they hypothesize that this has to do with the toxic masculinity that we impart on boys of, you mm-hmm. should know what you're doing. Yeah, you should like, know. Yeah, you should know. You should know how to say no. You should know how to take control of the situation. You mm-hmm. should know what feels good. You should your like you should know what feels good for yourself as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of this bullshit. So this is a prime example of how the patriarchal purity culture bullshit impacts all of the genders. Like 
it's bad for all of us it is like men men do not know what feels good to all women and all people because we all experience pleasure differently Mm-hmm. And also the same for the same goes for men. Like what what yeah. one man, one uh, male presenting person finds attractive and hot and good isn't going to be the same thing. Like mm-hmm. we're all we all experience pleasure so differently. And part of the key thing and like getting over this idea of like we all just like it when a vagina goes into a uh, <laughs> we all <laughs> like it when a penis enters a vagina and that's what sex is supposed to be is to talk yeah. about it, exactly. communicate with your partner, like. Mm-hmm come from a place of respect and trust over anything and I think that's Mm -hmm. maybe if there's any lesson over here that I would take that I hope people take away from this is you do not need to be in a loving relationship with someone to have good sex Mm -hmm. but I would argue that on some level you need to be have come from a place of trust and respect yeah you you yeah sorry you need to be able to commute feel comfortable enough even on a one-night stand like I Mm -hmm. I will like I'm sure yeah. Plenty of people have had great sex in one night stands, no doubt about it. But I would also still argue like you have to be able to communicate with wh- whoever your sexual partner mm-hmm. is, what you like and what you don't like, and be honest with them about they're doing something you don't like, like mm-hmm. hard pass. Like that's that I, I mean, it sounds pretty simple to me, but that yeah. should be like the key to good sex communicate, communicate, communicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I think like lots the of trusting, like, it, yeah, the loop thing. I think, like you, I think sometimes we think that. So if you're not in love with the person that you're having sex with, like you, it's I, there are just so many factors. Like we aren't asking that you trust them to like give you a loan. You trust them right. to like to I don't know like uh, drive you somewhere. Like you are just trusting them to like be good to you in this yep. one arena that they are gonna yep. you're trusting that they will listen to what you are yep. saying to them that they will follow some sort of direction yep. like we aren't you don't need to trust this person to like I don't know sign a lease with you like right. the tr- this it's a pretty it can be like a very one-time trust thing like maybe you don't even trust them to buy you breakfast the next morning like that's fine right. you are trusting trust in this one situation you should be able right. to like feel comfortable that they're going to be good to you. Yep. Yep. And Maybe I think a lot of that's just, it's like the confidence, like to have the confidence to ask for that, to expect that, to enforce mm-hmm. that, like setting the boundary, following through on it. I think we could be doing a lot more in that if we were, yeah, taking sex ed more seriously in this country, instead of thinking mm-hmm. that like, if you're telling kids about sex ever, it means you're a pedophile, like not the case. Yep. Yep. But again, that's the long and long and strong arm of purity culture saying no. Any yep. knowledge of this is bad. Bad for me. And I would argue the more knowledge, the better. Because yeah. the healthier knowledge you is power, baby. Yeah. The healthier you will be as a human being, the better relationships you should be mm-hmm. having, the better sex you'll be having. Like I like again, looking at my trajectory of like sexual relationships that I've had. My sex, it, it has only gotten better. Like, mm-hmm. and that's because yeah. of the confidence that I've got, I've gained the knowledge. You put in I've the gained, work. <laughs> yeah, the work. I put in the work. Yeah, you sex, put in the it. work. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, yeah. that's all I want for people who want to have sex is please put in the work. Educate yourself. Like, again, don't feel like you have to be some freak in the bed yeah. um, to experience good sex. Like, you can like what you like. And if you are a vanilla ass person, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. If you are a kinky ass person, a little great. missionary baby. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Whatever you like, 
just own it and like educate mm-hmm. yourself, educate your partner, have those conversations. Yeah. It's just like life is too short to have shitty ass sex and to not goddamn orgasm in this mm-hmm. life. Like I please don't be like our foremothers. I don't I don't yeah. want that for any anybody really. So if you're growing up in a very conservative household presently and you've somehow gotten access to this podcast, <laughs> we're here to tell you um, that it's fine if you're masturbating. It's yep. fine if you're finding yourself attracted to people. Put that um, Harry Styles poster up above your yep. wall, uh, above your ceiling, whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yep. Do some Googling, read some very smutty fan fiction. Yep. So yeah, I think... We, we've really dived into some purity culture bullshit, and I'm sure mm-hmm. some of you probably have stories to share, thoughts to share, so definitely send us, um, send us those. Um, we'd mm-hmm. be happy to hear. I mean, not happy, because I think yeah. the hard part is, is that some of these stories are not great, like the no. ways that we were raised and socialized um, are really, really harmful, but if you, if you need to share, definitely share in the comments, um, send us an email. Mm-hmm. We want, we want to hear how we want to hear about it because I think, again, purity culture tells us that we need to shut up and not talk about it. Because I'm also about curious sex, if you're yeah. a parent, like how, if you're a millennial parent or I don't yeah. know, a Gen X parent, how, how would you intend to talk to your kids? Like how, how do you think you will talk to them about sex and their bodies differently than maybe you were, you were talked mm-hmm. to, or if you feel like you had a good experience with mm-hmm. like a positive, um, competent useful explanation of what was going to happen to your body what you were maybe going to start feeling i'd love to hear about that too yeah definitely all right well i think that is good for this week Mm -hmm. exciting news we are going to have our first guest next week you don't have to listen to just our voices (laughs) we have friends guys um our friend morgan is going to be joining us uh, so definitely don't want to miss out on the next, um, uh, next week's conversation. Uh, so come back in two weeks. Um, and we, we look forward to, to that. We look forward to that conversation. So yeah, mm-hmm. we do. All right. Well, bye friends. Have a good bye, week. Guys. Stay safe out there. Uh, bye friends. Not guys. If you're enjoying Ope, I did it again. Follow us on Instagram at Ope podcast please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Email us. Tell us your stories. You can reach us at oppodcast22 at gmail.com. 